But it came to mind that what if we utilized our ensemble of agents to help parents out? What if we put it on the cell phone and on the laptop? And these agents, I mean, they're already there to seek information and to report information to a decision maker. You as a parent are the decision maker of your child. And so what if you had the information? What if these agents were on your child's phone and laptop reporting to you, this is how much self-harm content your child has seen today. These are the type of people who have hit up your son or daughter, that direct message them, DM them. And this is the things that they're telling them. And sometimes you do have to automatically report some of these individuals to the authorities because some of the things they're doing is completely against the law, especially with young children. Just stop it. The -the run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women with errors in their backs who go through hell to achieve their goals. They'll go through anything to make it. They bathe in hell and high water, a cut above. They're intolerant to mediocrity, the status quo, and yet they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. This is Disruption Interruption, Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. This show is sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. He's actually in the fast lane. Today, we are thrilled to have CEO and chairman of Clover AI, a pioneer in the tech world who's rewriting all the rules, literally. He's a serial entrepreneur, founder of Plug and Play San Diego, and a consultant for startups collectively worth over $347 billion. His influence spans from guiding over 35 biotech companies to a $70 billion market cap to impressive engagements in politics, academia, and innovative competition. At the helm of Clover AI, he's revolutionizing artificial general decision making, cutting down AI development from months to seconds. Yep, I said it. With a team of industry titans from IBM, PwC, Tesla, and J.P. Morgan Chase, Clover AI is on a mission to empower global creators. Join us in welcoming the mastermind behind these groundbreaking achievements, Danny Kitashian. Well, thank you for welcoming me like that. And and by the way, I think the $347 billion is actually corporations, so founders of corporations and not, well, I guess they were startups at some point. You're correct. Okay, good. They had to be startups. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be a baby before you become an adult. It's so very true. It's a good number too. The the point is that you're a badass, but thank you for clarifying. So I don't think you sleep at all. And I know you do because I've talked to you before. But before we get into all of this AI and artificial general decision-making and what's going on Capitol Hill and all of this stuff, tell our listeners... What is your fundamental ingredient for disruptive innovation? What is the fundamental ingredient? I will say that you have to actually have a worldview of what is happening right now immediately. And then you need to watch what startups are saying that they're going to deliver in the next three to five years. And then you need to look a little bit even further out than that and say, 
if most of these startups, let's say, or a majority, 51% are accurate in what's going to happen in three to five years, then what is needed beyond that point? And then that's part of the recipe. That's only so you can have foresight. And beyond that, I think what you need to do is assemble a team today with the skill sets that can actually fulfill on that vision. And so really the the most important recipe is people. I mean, right now we're talking and, and we're two people that have met through a virtual manner, but we've gotten to know each other and like each other. And I think, you know, it's all about the relationships of people. And that's what really is at the heart of Clover is the human element as well. You know, I love that you say that because that is sort of been the controversy of technology for ages is that it takes out the human element. And if we're going to go this fast in the digital lane, we really need to bring humanity and humanities up with the same speed as our progression in the digital transformation. Yes. I love that you talk about this. You know, you got to have a worldview. You got to look at what startups are saying, where things are, what they need, and where things are going in three to five years. And then you got to have a little further look. You got to have foresight, right? That's your formula. And then you assemble a team. So tell me this. You've done this with Clover, obviously. So what is the worldview? What have startups been saying that they are going to need in the next three to five years? And what's that little further look? So the the current state of the world that we're, we're in today is you're seeing that AI now has hit the scene in ways that it hasn't in the past 60 years. We've been discussing AI for decades and decades, but it's finally catching on to where the everyday consumer is now aware of what AI's capabilities are from a chatbot experience, they're aware, right? They're still not aware of the ongoings in the background of what you can do and, and the immense power of what can be had. The startups, what they're doing right now is you see a lot of different startups that have very functional focus, meaning that whether you have the large language model, kind of like chat GPT or Anthropic or a Claude, or you have the startups that are saying that we are going to solve for a creative writing and we're taking that to the corporations, we're taking it to a consumer or an influencer such as yourself and saying, we're going to help you craft a faster messaging, targeted messaging. And again, I can go on and on, but the, the relevant feature is that startups have a focus on exactly what they're assembling and they're putting that together and they're targeting the market in such a fashion that I think that they will achieve that one functional role. What is the future beyond that is what Clover likes to think of is unique to us is there are a few in the market now saying artificial general intelligence. We're focused on artificial general decision making because there is an issue with AGI, which is there's no consensus on a clear cut definition of intelligence it becomes difficult if you can't define something to benchmark and test against it and to figure out if you're doing it right. But we do understand decision-making fairly well. I believe there's a lot of prior research in, in this arena. So we can build off of that and we can help every human and every person make better, faster decisions. And so where Clover comes in is how do you create an ensemble of all these systems? I look at all these startups that are coming up today as just components in my in my overall architecture of the orchestration of the ensemble of AI systems. There's something that you said that's very interesting. You can help people with decision making and decision making is it's much more clear. What are some of the problems that we're having today in decision making? Let's talk about things that are pretty prevalent. 
that AI can help. Recently, there's things that have been going on. There's stuff in the news, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll preface the stuff in the news with with general just decision-making. What is happening today in society are all of us have too much information coming at us from work, from friends, from family, even the mediums that they're coming through, social media or emails or voice calls, text messages, everywhere. And that has an effect on your brain. How much information can you possibly handle it's too much. It's it's a lot. And and so people are becoming very, even before all this information, if you read uh, Daniel Kahneman, Slow Thinking and Fast Thinking, he wrote a, an amazing book on this. A lot of people make irrational decisions whenever the fast thinking turns on. Uh, slow thinking actually requires a lot of mental strain. You have to actually logically go through a process stepwise and think through the options or outcomes alternative outcomes. And so people tend to go with the fast thinking a lot more. It's easier. It feels good, right? And that, that's your gut feeling. You're just like, this feels right. I'm going to make this decision. And how many times have you or I made a decision that felt so right? And we ended up just sitting down afterwards thinking to ourselves, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> well, yeah, I usually didn't have enough information. I'm not a slow thinker by nature, but you know, those split decisions when I really didn't have enough information really screwed me over. Yes. And so imagine if you could have an ensemble of AI systems that are domain experts in each one of those thoughts you should be taking or each one of those avenues of thoughts and each one of those outcomes and alternative outcomes. And as well, beyond the information you have, what if you're missing information? And so what if they could automatically retrieve that for you instead of you don't have time every time somebody's speaking with you to go on to Google. And, and even if you went on Google, are you going to research 50 different sites no. to find elective of information? So why don't we have our systems do that for you? Our ensemble of AI systems, they help explore, inspire, plan and execute four major areas of what are uh, all these millions of agents that we're developing. And when you say agents, what do you mean agents? An agent is as simple as, I mean, it's a piece of software code that goes out and performs some kind of specific task, some kind of function, has some knowledge base to it, just like a human would. Except here, humans usually have a whole bunch of knowledge sets. Here, we make each agent very specific in its knowledge domain and what it's searching and what it's informing about. Okay, good. So you have this matrix, explore, what was the other one? Explore, inspire, plan, execute. There you go. All right. So then you have like all of these agents in each one of these different functions. Correct. And these agents help you to bring that information to you because you're so inundated with information. When you make a decision, how do we break down that decision step by step? How do we break down what's pertinent to you, what's relevant to you based on your lifestyle factors? If you make this decision based on the amount of debt you already have or the things you're already planning for for the year. How does that decision impact everything else in your life and help you think about that? What new information do you need that's not been presented to you through your mm -hmm. channel and through your work colleagues? What can help you make a better, more informed decision? And how do you do that rapidly to where somebody like you is not spending hours or even weeks sometimes researching a topic, how can we bring that to you and let you explore it? But you still make the decision, right? You still inform. Now you go, the agents inform you, then you inform the system. 
what plan you want to uh, take. It will help you craft different plans, but you'll decide on the plan. Then they'll automatically execute. So we just really take all that mundane work off of your hands at the end of the day. I love it. That does explain artificial general decision-making better. They're really putting the self-determinism back into the person so that they're making the decision. And that's the controversy of AI right now, is that people have no self-determinism or no judgment or this or that. Correct. Which I don't think is true. Maybe some people are, there are stupid people that are using it stupidly, right? But I'm talking about maybe the general masses, right? But we're talking about helping people take all of this data to make decisions self-determinately that are going to enhance their lives. Yes. And the people are still in control, by the way. Thank you. And so at the heart of Clover is the human element. The human, the person, the, the person who has a heart, has a brain, has ambitions, has emotions. That's what's at the heart of Clover. We're making sure to wrap our ensemble of AI systems around that human embodiment. And it could be one person or it could be a group of people making a decision. And so th- that even becomes more exciting when we when we start speaking about group decisions. But to get back to your point, though, what is interesting is we were discussing, OK, so what are we doing and how are we doing it? How do we see the worldview? And then what has lately been happening in the news and how how can people help control their own fate or at least parents with their children? Yeah, that's a good subset. That's a great subset to discuss, especially because yesterday I watched the Capitol Hill proceedings and it seemed as if nobody had an answer for the parents. Our government officials that are elected basically came on TV and said, hey, look, we have given immunity to all of the social media giants. So parents, you have no recourse. You cannot go to the courts when your son or daughter commits suicide, even though the social media giants should have done more. The social media giants, all of their answers, and this was from Facebook to X to Discord to um, TikTok, they all had the same answers. And it was, we really think that your bills are interesting. We want to help you all out, government officials. We want to help you out and say we support something, that, a bill that you're pushing forward. In spirit, we agree with you, but we have problems. Their lawyers made them say there are you know, a few details that I think we need to sort out before we can help you push forth the bill. It's been 20 years, they're saying, and they haven't been able to help parents at the end of the day. Just for our listeners, I mean, a lot all of our listeners are in tech, but let's just for the sake of communication, what are the biggest things parents are worried about? What are, what are the things that have been happening? Yes, child sexploitation is occurring right now. It's, it's big on social media. Self-harm content keeps coming through. I mean, by the hundreds of millions is what they're catching. And the parents are, are sitting there and they're wondering, like, who's going to help us out? One of the senators made a point that the airplane blew off a door off of one plane, they grounded 750 airplanes immediately when that happened in the flight. But we have children committing suicide and there is nothing that anyone can do. They can't put the servers to a halt. They can't go in and check the systems out that these social media giants have. There is no agency. That's what's weird is who is helping the parents who were actually, here's how funny it is. At the front, you had the senator sitting. Then in the middle, you had all the social media, the CEOs being interviewed in the back of the room and in the back of the thought also of these companies were the parents who lost their children. And they were holding up their children's pictures, showing uh, the repercussions of 
a very lax system, one that people are not taking seriously right now. It needs more attention. Listen, you're never too big to fail. We did, we saw that in the the last, you know, recession 10 years ago. But you're never too big to fail. Public opinion will always win there eventually. And today we just have too many communication lines for these giants not to take things seriously. There will be repercussions. But in the meantime, I mean, look, AI can actually do things to help. It can. I can speak towards a thought that we had uh, or I had as the as the proceedings were going on, because I'm currently speaking to one of the large manufacturers of laptops and cell phones, but we're speaking about something else. But it came to mind that what if we utilized our ensemble of agents to help parents out? What if we put it on the cell phone and on the laptop and these agents I mean, they're already there to seek information and to report information to a decision maker. You as a parent are the decision maker of your child. And so what if you had the information? What if these agents were on your child's phone and laptop reporting to you? This is how much self-harm content your child has seen today. These are the type of people who have hit up your son or daughter, that direct message them, DM them. And this is the things that they're telling them. And sometimes you do have to automatically report some of these individuals to the authorities because some of the things they're doing is completely against the law, especially with young children. And kids don't always know this. No. No, they're not able to process all that. They may know something's weird, but curiosity, they don't know. Somebody a nice person. I mean, there's all sorts of systems and situations. It's definitely not the the child's fault. Did you know the human brain fully forms at the age of 24? Well, that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. Explains a lot. (laughs) A lot of our stupidity in our younger years, right? It does. And so it's on the parents, but it's on us also within tech to help the parents out. Yeah. And so we could provide tools that help the parents. Parents could be more involved. It, It shouldn't get to suicide is my perspective on this matter. Yeah. That's amazing. That is something that AI could do to really help the people. Again, Clover, we're focused on the people. And so you think about the people at the forefront versus advertising dollars, you'd be amazed what kind of products you develop for humanity. Yeah. I know that you guys are in the works on many things. You have done disclosure agreements, like, you know, you're even getting patents on certain things, but are there things that you can talk about that you've created or that you're creating? (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot that we're creating how about we start with the vision of the world well you asked me early on you said how do you disrupt and i said you look at the current status quo then you see what startups are saying is going to come out in three to five years is going to be normal status quo and then how do you look beyond that and i think as opposed to jeffrey hinton with whom I've had an email exchange, I, I tried to get him to become an advisor. This was after the the father of AI, one of the fathers came out and said, and I, I don't know if you remember, Jeffrey Hinton came out and was, was painting this huge gloom about AI is going to uh, ruin humanity. And we're all already there. We're past the point of helping people out. Well, that's just a great, like negative opposing view. It's going to get a lot of publicity for that and but go viral. But we all know that that's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. What I think the future is with our agents that we're building, I believe in a future, what what we're terming the hybrid human agent GDP model for world economies. And so right now we base everything off of humans and corporations producing. Now imagine a world where you have 
eight times 8.3 billion people. So we have eight agents for all, for each of the 8.3 billion people. And these eight agents are dynamically changing. So there's billions ready to roll out. And according to the decision you want to make and the context of the situation you're in and exactly what your wants are, desires are, and preferences, these eight consistently keep changing dynamically on your phone, ready to uh, give you the information and help you make decisions, and even for businesses. But imagine a world where each human has all of these agents working for them. Imagine where companies can have 10,000 humans and a million agents working for them. Imagine these agents as becoming taxpayers or uh, contributors economically in enacting decisions as well, making business decisions on your behalf and working on your behalf and you having to report them. Now imagine what the GDP would look like. Now you don't only have 8.3 billion people to base it off of. You have 8.3 billion plus another 64 billion agents. And what does that look like to prosperity for humanity? What does it look like for you when you can have your five employees and you can have 120 agents that are generating revenue for you and income sources? Well, I think that sounds amazing. And there's all these other ideas and reasons why, why not that I have on that, right? And questions. But I think it's a huge vision and I think it's exactly up your alley. So everyone in the world has 10 agents, eight agents. What is it? 10 agents. With the Clover app, we envision having eight, 10, 20. It, it doesn't matter how okay. many the number. I just threw out a random number to show you that this is the where the world is going. Wow, Danny, you paint a big picture. Now, to me, I think of people in parts of the world that are so off the beaten path in areas that are not metropolitan, in areas that are poverty stricken areas, like the ability to have the decision making and reach for or know about other things to improve their lives. You're sort of equalizing the playing field for humanity here. You do equalize the playing field. And really what 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 the bigger part of that picture, what, what I failed to tell you earlier is all 8.3 billion people, I think that each person should be a creator, should be an, uh, their own entrepreneur at the end of the day. So could you imagine where all people are able to create and envision and dream and quickly produce that thing which they, they dreamt up? And so can you imagine what I would call the creator economy? worldwide for every person. Every person is a creator. And I don't mean creator as a social media creator. You could do that as well. But I mean, like you create your own product service lines. An engineer, a builder, a farmer, a, you know, house cleaner, everybody could be their own creator. And you know where it gets freakish if you think about it? Just it's audacious. Now imagine being able to take those agents and because you've built up the knowledge and data sets and they've learned over time and they've become domain experts, you can share them with others and make money. You can sell them off to corporations. And when we have the right humanoid robots, which one of our co-founding members has worked on this before, imagine you can upload that brain and that knowledge set to an actual humanoid robot and then you can bring the digitized agent into the physical world in all actuality. Now your brain should be like firing and saying, okay, that is just crazy. It is the future. <laughs> you paint a very good picture. Now you talk about those agents being taxpayers. I don't think people are going to like that. I mean, I could hear my audience go, right? Yeah, but yeah. it does bring in a way for the government to get in on this. That's for sure. I mean, if you think about it, a corporation pays taxes and it's not a living human. No, it's true. As long as these agents are making money, great. 
Why don't we use the agents to figure out a better tax system? <laughs> they're they're doing that right now. Instead of better tax system, it's it's making people understand what are their opportunities and which opportunities for each human. It's equalizing and democratizing the same knowledge that the upper 1% have. How can you democratize that to us? Everyday average people that are working hard. Why don't we know about the certain vehicles that are there so we can reduce our taxes as well, just like large corporations or trusts? I mean, th- th- there are so many ideas about how you can use these agents to really help each human being. I mean, you've just mentioned two huge ones. Having the knowledge of the top 1% for taxes, you know, and finances, like helping parents. I mean, real world views, real world decisions that people have to make that they don't have access to. How many times do we go through life and we say, wow, if I would have known what I know today, 20 years ago, imagine those agents being able to give that to you, to your children while they're in college, while they're in high school. Imagine that you already have all of that coming to you. There is nothing that you're missing out on to make the perfect decision. That is why I think when I say democratizing information, it's really democratizing the most upper echelon of information that people think, oh, that's a secret until you reach 40, 50, you won't learn that. Or until you you get to this part of society in this class, you don't really learn. About- or we can't afford that. Or it's only for like the esoteric. Yeah, I think all that is BS. <laughs> well, that's why you're a disruptor. That's exactly why you're a disruptor. So, you know, tell us about cutting down AI development from months to seconds. That just sounds unrealistic, but also very possible. So I gave you the heart of what we are envisioning. Now you're asking about there's got to be a recipe to how we made this feel so good and taste so good, the vision. And at the recipe of what we're doing, the process that we've learned, Clover has uniquely learned over the past uh, nine months and redefined and refined a process of how to quickly move from AI system development of two months. We took that down to a day and a half. Then we took it down to an hour and a half. Then we got down to five minutes. And then I thought we weren't going to ever reach the second barrier. Then we reached just like three days later, we reached the second barrier, 45 seconds in AI system development. And we're talking about these systems are complex. Yeah, I'm not talking about just writing a mathematical equation and saying, there, it's done. (laughs) How can you explain it in layman's terms, like an AI program that's complex? In layman terms, it would be as if everybody knows how to fill up the gas tank. And that's akin to just writing a mathematical equation, right? You park your car at a gas station, you fill up the tank. If I told you to assemble the whole car and do that in two months, maybe a very good uh, mechanic can say, okay, I can, I can do this. Now, if I told you, can you do it in 45 seconds, assemble the whole car, all the pieces? <laughs> that's a great analogy. Yes. Yeah. So AI development, you're down to 45 seconds now. We're down to 45 seconds, but we have the architecture. We have the ability to produce a million AI systems every second. Wow. You're like compounded interest. Ability is different than capability. Yes, yes, yes. The capability is once we get the right financing and we have the infrastructure set up, it's easy to run these in in parallel, right? It's easy to get a thousand CPUs and GPUs uh, or 10,000 of them working in unison. And then you could see my 45 second becomes down to now building a million of these every second. So now it's just the ideas. Let the ideas come forth and find the ones that are going to be the best for humanity in developing those. Yeah. The the beautiful thing about developing very fast is 
not only you develop one system, but again, you have to look 10 years and 15 years down the line. So yes, we can develop system. We've developed one-off systems that compete against five to 10 billion valued startups, half a billion dollar ones, $1.2 billion startups. There are three in mind. I don't want to call them out, but that Silicon Valley has valued them greatly. And, and we were able to develop them when we were in the minute category, we were able to develop them in under seven minutes, five minutes, and eight minutes. And one of them is valued at about $10 billion. But again, these are just components to the ensemble. So when we talk about developing AI systems fast, that's not the specialty. That's not what is the most unique. That is very unique because nobody else is doing it like this. But how do you orchestrate them just kind of like a maestro or a conductor of a, a musical piece? How do you bring in the maestro and ensemble make them work together to solve a specific use case? for you as a human. You right now are thinking, hey, I wish I could solve for this in my life. Well, Clover can develop all these systems, but how do we put them together and fine tune it to where it really solves it the best for you? Because these are gonna be multiple systems working together, multiple AI systems and agents. And that's what's crazy. I mean, most people are gonna see in the front, they're never gonna realize just how powerful the technology is. They're just going to see that this thing is just working so seamlessly and helping them do everything they want. <laughs> yeah, that's so very true. They're not going to see behind the Wizard of Oz. They're not. They're not. And so where is like Clover AI going? Are you like focused on certain industries first? Is it just across many verticals? Like what's your plan? We are vertical agnostic, but we do have a strategy. And if you understand going into business, you have to have a strategy. And so you cannot tackle every single vertical at one time. So you're right. Thank you for that question, which is we're looking at really being disruptive in an industry with low regulation and which has not been disrupted in a very long time. If you think about it, that within travel and helping people plan their travel and their trips, even as groups. How can we help them explore all their options, inspire them through other options they haven't thought of, let them decide which of those options match who they are, and then from there, build out of the ones they've decided, build all sorts of different plans, and let them decide which plan resonates the best with them in a five, seven-day, two-week plan, and then automatically execute on that so you're not having to go to all these different web pages and inserting your information and going through such uh, redundant measures. And even beyond that, Clover has thought, again, we think steps ahead. We think about what is beyond and how can we ensure that this continues, this whole experience, even during your trip? How can we make sure that there is, before and during your trip, any new information? Again, we're always seeking information. We have all these little minion agents, <laughs> if you've seen the movie Minions, and they're just there. They're ready to just give you information, and, and they get happy when they provide you with information that's useful, right? That's a good analogy. It's a, it's a wonderful movie as well. <laughs> it's a funny movie. But so they're there waiting to, to, to see, is there anything that could hinder that decision or that plan that you're executing? And so before the plan is executed, we're always looking for that and we bring it to your attention and we can adjust course real fast. And we call that system overwatch that we've developed. Then during, while you're executing the plan, while you're on your trip, what if something happens? What if there is a, a murder that happened two blocks away and you're walking towards the restaurant or you're planning to walk towards that restaurant in an hour? Would you want to know that there was just crime there and go to a different restaurant so you don't have to um, go through that? That can definitely happen in certain places where they have these amazing resorts, but outside the resort is 
not such great neighborhoods, right? Just read today, uh, was it in the Bahamas and that area of the world? The U.S. just issued a travel advisory and they said there were like 20 U.S. citizens that were just murdered in the past. I don't know how long. And they're talking about Nassau and all of these different islands. And I didn't know that. You just, you think of vacation, you think, oh, wow, it's a paradox. Yeah, I remember going to Nevis and they didn't want us to go outside of the Ritz-Carlton Resort. You just didn't do that, right? Correct. Wow. So you've really thought out. I I love the fact that you're going into travel. I love the fact that you're going to something that's low regulation, not been disrupted for some time. There was something I thought about, you know, it's like all of these places around the world, even in the U.S., that, you know, their primary GDP, their primary like economic engine is tourism. And then I thought, these AI engines are, you know, getting data out there. I mean, people have been so used to like, okay, we've got to make sure the search engines know about us and so forth, right? It's like, it's even more important for these areas to have data. I mean, there's a lot of data, but, you know, update their data, have good data about their areas. Because it's like, if you have the ability for AI to pull all this data or find this data or agents to go do it, right? You want to make sure you have the most up-to-date information and enough information for people to get to make these decisions. Economic impact is huge. You're talking about heads and beds taxes. You're talking about restaurants. You're talking, I mean, you can get into sports with this, right? Sports brings people into their cities like the NFL and and so forth. I mean, there's, there's a concatenation of people and or corporations and areas that can benefit from this. You're 100% correct. And I want to say that while travel is very, very interesting, and I know we can disrupt this arena, really at the heart of it, again, is the human element. We wanted to take our systems and find a vertical that we can test this out and test it out without having any issues uh, in the middle of development where the government says, oh, by the way, we threw up a regulation because AI and healthcare is is, is going to cause Yeah, you can't do that. Adverse effects. Or AI and uh, finance, and, and and then everyone's 401ks are going to be wiped out or people are making wrong decisions. So we're being very cautious of how we're moving forward and strategic. But we're also saying, how many people are involved in the decision making of a family vacation? And how can you take all of their preferences and all of their wants and their desires? How can you make everybody happy? Yeah, I mean, th- yeah. Or corporate travel or, you know, I mean, and you're looking at so many different factors, budget and entertainment and food and experience. But look at the ramifications of how this will help all the businesses, the locations, right? You know, the trickle down effect of the taxes, right? The economic impact, indirect, direct and so forth, right? First, secondary, tertiary. It's pretty amazing. But once we understand how to make every person happy within that group setting, then we really have a winning recipe because we figured out how these agents are catering towards the individual preferences as well as the group purpose and the group motivations and making sure that everything is in alignment. Once you wow. do that, we can quickly adapt our systems because we're very fast. Again, that speed. Of course. So we quickly moved from one vertical into another vertical. And, and that's what's beautiful about what we've been able to develop so far. But again, the human is who we're trying to make happy. So if they come back and they say we're not all happy, keep fine-tuning and retuning until we make sure we have that perfect recipe. I love that that is part of the mission of Clover AI. Okay, Danny, what do you do outside of Clover AI? You're like doing all of this all the time. 
all the time. Do you have any crazy passions or things that you like to do? I I do go to the gym. I <laughs> I make sure that I stay sane somehow. So so you know, I used to mountain bike my whole life and run the uh, mountain bike trails, and and that is a passion of mine is being in nature. But for right now, the gym is as quick as I can get to. I'm doing a quick workout or an hour, 30 minutes of cardio and getting back to work. So passion wise, yes, I sit on the board of the Women's Museum of California. So I have passions where I devote my time into um, causes. And every every couple of years of my life, I always pick another cause because I want to learn. I want to have more empathy towards certain causes. You know, a few years back, I was doing uh, diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives. And I was working between the NSA and historical black colleges, universities. I was training students at these universities to take national security agency patents and uh, help them commercialize them and teach them the entrepreneur process. Today, I still have that going on to a certain extent, but not as big into that as I am right now. I'm just devoting more time into the Women's Museum of California. We we went through a little bit of a, a rough time after COVID, as did most uh, nonprofits. And it was stressful for the past two years that I've been involved. And I will say that we finally got through a, a major uh, milestone and achieved some wonderful partnerships and, and fundraisers where we're starting to see uh, rainbows and sunshine. And, and so it's just it's just wonderful. That's awesome. I think I'm the only male <laughs> on the... Uh... I love that you do that. I absolutely love that you do that. All right, Danny, how do people get a hold of you? I mean, they can they can visit. Well, Clover AI right now is still stealth, the website. So I wouldn't do that. Um, but they can email me, danny at clover.ai. So D-A-N-Y, Danny with one N, I know, at Clover. K-L-O-V-E-R dot A-I. And that would be the easiest way for anyone to get a hold of me and share their own passions. And, you know, we're always looking for amazing people to join us, or we're also looking for amazing people to uh, challenge us and say, hey, we have this issue. We have this problem. I didn't hear you discussing this on the podcast today. Is this something that Clover can uh, help with? Because this is a problem we're having as a parent, as a human, as an individual as a worker in the workforce. Um, so really challenge us is what I tell people. I love that. And you're also on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. A lot of our listeners are on LinkedIn. Okay, guys, you heard it from Danny. Challenge him. <laughs> Danny, what's what's something you want to leave with our listeners? Like food for thought. You've given us a lot, but, you know, a parable, a motto, direction of AI with humanity. What would you say? Maybe this is even a little bit outside the scope of AI, but I mean, we need to remember how to be human and human to one another. We need to learn how to have empathy. And the more that I'm training these agents and AI systems to have empathy, I'm starting to ask myself, how do I exhibit empathy and how do I share the essence of humanity with others? Because we're literally trying to put that into these systems. And the more you're doing that, you start questioning yourself and you start questioning how other people are treating people. You start realizing in the world with the news stories going on and the wars going on. So I just leave people with one uh, statement, which is, you know, be kind, be respectful and understand that if companies like ours have that at the forefront or at their heart and mind and soul, not to fear what's coming in the future of AI. That's beautiful. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. 
That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from this show. Thanks for listening, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This advice is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal healthcare or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal issue or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links. Do not create an agency client relationship between Joto PR and the user.